With the news media covering increasingly more news about data breaches and security and the use of personal data in ways that invade people's privacy, you need to know how to keep your business's data, not to mention your own personal data, safe from hacks and your business operating in the most secure environment. Otherwise, this can not only hurt your business reputation, it can cost you clients. Welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor, we are here to help you mitigate potential damages and losses before the hackers even have your number. Now, here is the Privacy Professor and your host, Rebecca Harold. Hello, and welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. I'm Rebecca Harold, your host, and I'm so happy you're joining us today. Welcome to the 12th episode of my show. I'm really excited to have this platform to help raise the awareness of information security and privacy risks and issues. And I also love to provide listeners with practical tips and actions to help improve information security and better protect their privacy. Please check out my websites. They are privacyprofessor.org, symbus360.com, and privacyguidance.com. Speaking of tips, my April Privacy Professor Tips message was published on Friday, March 27th. Did you get yours? Well, why not? They're free. Go ahead and go to privacyguidance.com and you can sign up for them. Just submit your email in the box in the upper right part of your screen. I've had several of my listeners ask me to provide a separate quick tip or two apart from my main show topic during each of my shows. So I'm going to give you one of those today. Here's your tip for the week. High-tech privacy breaches are increasing. And yes, most folks know that, right? But guess what? So are the low-tech breaches. The dumpster divers, those folks who love to go through your trash bins to find valuable information and other goodies, they're busier than ever. And the numbers of privacy breaches occurring after hospitals and businesses and just regular private citizens throw away their hard copy documents in their trash bins that contain such things as their financial data, patient data, and other sensitive information are also increasing. So before throwing away printed documents, finally shred them. You can get these shredders fairly inexpensively at most of the big box stores and the business supply stores, or take them to an incineration service. And you may be surprised, but there are many of these being established in cities throughout the world. Just here in Des Moines, Iowa, where I live, I know of at least six, and I read where another one was starting up. Plus, usually in most cities, the Public Works Trash Service offers those as well. So today, I want to continue with my topic of careers. After Linda Cadigan was on my show, I had many women from high school all the way up through those who were past their 70s and they were wanting to do something. They were wanting to start a business. They contacted me and they said that they were really inspired to follow their interests into a tech or information security or privacy career. 
I love that. I've, I've also had so many folks of all genders asking me to provide more career advice about getting into the tech and information security and privacy fields, about how to be as successful as possible, asking for tips on how to get hired, asking what fields are the ones that are really hot right now and which will be hot in the near future. Well, I am happy to have the perfect person to answer those questions and more as my guest today. Cindy Rockwell is our guest today. Cindy's career spans over 20 years of strategic leadership experience in the areas of IT-driven service delivery and management and business planning and transformational design. Cindy's worked as an executive with the Principal Financial Group, as a vice president at Wells Fargo, as CEO of software company Customer Vision, and she is now a managing partner at Kiot, a management consulting firm. So utilizing her many years of experience in the technology world, Cindy is leading Kiot's Crew 212 National Program. Now this is a program that helps drive corporate workforce transformations to account for the growing portion of the global workforce that's really been dominated by the youngest two generations. Cindy's also involved in encouraging young women to pursue STEM careers through the Trailblazers event, which invites young women who have not yet entered the workforce to receive some valuable insight from a panel of other young women who are already in successful STEM careers. Cindy, thank you very much for being my guest today. Welcome to my show. Thank you, Rebecca. It's so wonderful to be here, and thanks for everything that you're doing to promote uh, women and the IT career in general. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, it, it is a growing field, isn't it? But <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but, you know, I know you and I both have been working in this space for for quite a while, so I always like to find out from my guests, and I know my listeners appreciate this too, and just uh, as an FYI for you, we have listeners that are in the U.S., but we have a lot from other parts of the world too, so they're always interested as well. But what led you to getting into an IT career? Was that something you had planned from high school, or how did you get into such a career? I would tell you the interesting part of my career and how I started out was my plan was to be an accountant. And I love numbers at the end of the day, but I started um, exploring uh, a computer-based career when I was in high school. And I'll date myself a little bit. That was back, clear back in the 80s. How about that? But my high school math teacher um, taught a basic programming class where you could make a telephone ring. And I thought yeah. that was the coolest thing. <laughs> and so back in my day, I will tell you, there was a waiting list to get into. Um, the first college I went to was a community college and there was a waiting list. And so my intention was still to go to a bigger university for accounting and a 
week before uh, that happened, I actually got a call and my number had come up and I was now going to make the decision whether I wanted to pursue computer programming or if I wanted to be an accountant. And lo and behold, I think I chose the right career in going forth and getting my programming degree. Well, yeah, we probably have that telephone to uh, experiment or exercise to impart at least to thank for that, right? Since that intrigued you. Um, now, you know, since you mentioned that, a lot of our listeners may not understand that back in the 1980s, the phones then were not like the phones now. In other words, they weren't cell phones. I mean, unless you were on a super advanced uh, phone communication system, you were probably using the good old um, landline phone and probably uh, maybe a push button or even a rotary phone for that uh, exercise you did? Yes, we were. So the phone was sitting right there. You know, it was a dialer, right? Yeah. It, it was sitting right there, landline connected. And yep, it was a dialer. So I, I laugh about that, right? It wasn't for some time after that, that even, you know, the bag phone came along, which was kind uh -huh. of that first cell phone thing for us. Well, and that's really even more impressive because um, the type of communications protocol over a landline is a lot different than trying to, you know, connect through the Internet now. So mm -hmm. that, that's pretty darn impressive. So um, you, you had that, uh, I looked in your bio, and you had that you started your own business in 2000. So what inspired you to do that? Because that's something that some people often take many years to decide to do and others just kind of do it because uh, they need to, kind of like what I did back when I started mine. So, so what led you to starting your own? Yeah, I had a wonderful career, as, as you and I both know, at, at principal. I, I led many different efforts. I built a lot of different systems back in the day, um, including holding an international patent on a technology that we built that we ported internationally to handle multilingual and multi-currency back in the day. But really, I, I never yeah. knew that. Well, yep. that's, that's very impressive. <laughs> and so I ended up then, you know, leaving principal, had worked at a couple places and then went to Wells Fargo. And honestly, I think I was uh, running really a, a sales team and a product development team. And after doing that for a few years, I really went, I miss technology. And I'm really kind of, uh, I hate to say tired, but I'm kind of tired of the corporate America mm -hmm. thing. And let me just, I, I have enough faith in myself and my IT background. And I'd done so many things up to that point that I kind of came home one day and told my husband, I said, here's the deal. I'm quitting my job and I will have a job. Don't worry. So I went <laughs> in and I quit my huge six-figure job and left my big title and big corporate world at Wells Fargo. And within a week, I actually had three jobs. And wow. I really had hung out my own shingle as an independent consultant back in mm -hmm. the 2000s. And I will tell you that that was probably, it was scary, but one of the most fulfilling um, and really uh, aggressively dynamic things that I think I've done. So for those people that, you know, I have many friends that sit and have worked and had great careers in corporate America today. But, you know, you and I both know there's different things of 
of change that have happened over the, mm-hmm. the number of years that we've been in our careers. And what I'd say is that don't be fearful. If you have faith in yourself, it will come, right? And you can mm-hmm. always find somebody to rely on and, and move forward. So the fun part of that is I left corporate America, did the consulting thing for a number of years, and then had the opportunity to actually be one of, uh, I'd say, the only woman on a venture capital group here in Des Moines where we were looking at startup software companies. And that's where I ran into customer vision. And a couple guys out of Microsoft had started that company. And I had the opportunity to run a software as a service company as Mm -hmm. the president of that company for um, almost, you know, I think it was, what was it, about nine years before we sold that company. And I would tell you it was fun because we were in that, that where you're at today very much, Rebecca, of Mm -hmm. everybody understands cloud computing. And what I was more doing, it wasn't selling the technology. It was really selling the fact of how is security in the cloud? And do I trust the fact that I don't have on-prem hardware and networks that, you know, are guarded and, and cloud is just part of who we are today. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing how quick we've gotten there. Oh yeah. Well, and there's so many new ways of using cloud computing now too. I mean, just look at the, uh, all the different internet of things or IOT devices that are communicating through the internet, some of them going through a cloud server, but others going peer to peer. So, um, yeah, it's just amazing the difference from just, you know, three years ago. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, So what motivated you then since 2000, you've done a lot, um, as you've indicated, what motivated you then to co-found Kiot? And what's the story behind behind that name too? (laughs) Absolutely. So Kiot was founded actually um, 10 years ago. So this is our 10 year anniversary. Ah. We're really excited about that. yeah. My business partners actually um, started the business. They've been in management consulting almost 25 years of their careers at various um, large um, consulting firms. And they're both out of Minneapolis, originally from Iowa. And the story behind Kiad is actually a blending of my business partners' last names. So mm. Angie Kiot and Laura Kelly, hence Kiot. Okay. <laughs> That works. It sounds good. Right. So from my perspective, what we do as a business, and I joined them, um, it was actually six years ago. So I left consulting. I had um, sold my software company, went back to consulting. And what motivated me really to get involved with Kiat was actually our Crew 212 program. And I really looked at my career and said, I have done a great Um, I've had a great career thanks to some really great mentors I've had in my career over the years. I've done a ton of things in technology that I never thought I would have the ability to do. And how do I help motivate young people to get excited and energized and learn about technology careers out there today? So that's really um, kind of what motivated me to join Kiad and kind of take a different trajectory into my career. And so I am absolutely one of the managing partners and the CIO of Kiat today. And, and I will tell you, I 
was just telling someone last week, last week, I, I love my job. And mm-hmm. it, you, it's great when you can actually say that. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, um, I've had certain types of work that I've done throughout my life that you just get up and you kind of dread going to it. But I just love being my own boss. And I love working with lots of different people. And I, it sounds like from what you're describing, that's kind of the case with you as well. Absolutely. So I think, you know, Kiat was started 10 years ago and really the the change in the market has been interesting as, as we've kind of looked at this. We've been doing the Crew 212 program now for nine years and we're um, today doing it nationally thanks to a number of really large clients that have asked us to, to move to different locations with them outside of the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and mm-hmm. Des Moines, where where you and I are both located. Um, We're today in Dallas, Texas. We are in Raleigh and Charlotte, North Carolina, Fort Mill, South Carolina, and in Chicago, Um, and soon to be in Phoenix, actually. A client has just kind of asked us to, to move with them to Phoenix. So, I would tell you it's it's great. The program is great, and it really drives home um, kind of the career side from your perspective. We have seen a, a significant more impact and questioning by our clients from uh, just their need for info security people. Obviously, uh, you know, Rebecca, about Uh, more and more breaches, right? We're continuing to see that. We're continuing to see that from a trend perspective. And what we find, we actually recruit from over 200 colleges nationally. Mm -hmm. There are not enough, let alone technologists coming out, but with any sort of expertise around information security, there just aren't enough people to go around. So, We actually, a couple of years ago, through our program, we really do a two-week boot camp. We hire um, college grads, take them through really a training program, and then launch them to our clients on a one-year contract to hire basis. But what we did two years ago, we were asked by one of the largest uh, money movers in the world, right behind um, Western Union, to really help them build information security people. So we tailored our program to really help build some junior information sort of security analysts for them around fraud detection, reporting, um, analytics, to really try to um, augment what's coming out or not coming out of colleges today. And so we're in the midst of really um, focusing a lot of effort on that gap that we're seeing in the industry today. So I'm so so my listeners can understand I can understand better then your business is much more than just um, a job uh, recruiter type of business. I mean, you're actually going a step beyond that and providing additional skills, like you said, to supplement what uh, they received in college and then to to connect them with potential employers. Am I getting that correct? You are. So what we do in Crew 212 is we really are looking for highly skilled um, with people that have a communication bent and an analytics bent. Mm -hmm. And why we look for those two skills really specifically 
and good grade point is that we believe that most organizations have lacked in the fact of growing their millennial and now Gen Z talent. And Mm -hmm. so we've been in the market of really building a next succession of leaders for our organizations around what we're going to call project delivery. So think in the IT fields of developers, you know, application development, um, business analysts, scrum masters, project managers, process engineers. We've most recently, over the last three years, gotten into data analytics and information security. And our program is really built on a one-year contract to hire. And in that one year, we really work with the graduate that we've hired as a W-2 salaried consultant to work with Kiot. We basically give them 200 hours of training and mentoring in their first year with us. So we've really put a whole curriculum together. So we've really become not just a consulting firm, but a training firm and a really a how do you help clients build techniques and 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 the next generation of people for them around skill sets that they're struggling to find. So that's what we've really grown the Crew 212 program into doing for our clients today. You know, it sounds like you are a good alternative uh, or maybe a better way to say a, a different type of internship, if you will, because I know a lot of my clients have had interns who would come in during like their senior year of college and they'd work there for a year and then you know they'd get them used to the business and they could kind of break them in and see if they would be a good fit there and then afterward when they graduated then they would say oh well you know you already know our business we know what you're like so we can go ahead and hire you so it sounds like you're providing maybe a different type of internship in a way so that people can can get used to the business to see if it's right for them. And also the business can determine if that particular um, person would be a good fit within their environment. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. So, you know, we're hiring college grads just like a lot of companies, but the difference is the fact that think of 9-11, right? And Mm -hmm. what we found is that our kids that grew up around 9-11 Um, I'm a hovering mom, right? I've known Mm -hmm. where my kids are at. And most of my peers obviously have kids that age. And so our kids have grown up in a less secure environment than probably you and I did, where we could be gone all day and our parents, right, said, be home by supper sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have trackers. Today, our kids are being raised to the fact of um, they need kind of Um, a coach or a mentor because they use their parents Mm -hmm. as that because we've been that hovering parent and we've caused Mm -hmm. that. So as kids graduate from college, most of most of the clients and you know that most companies have gotten rid of their management trainee programs or, you know, um, a lot of their training has gone by the wayside when they've cut expenses over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So we've really built it on the how do we help our clients And these kids take it from, we become your mentor instead of your parents. We work with our clients around the training that's needed based on the job that they're trying to do. 
and we catapult their careers. And that's truly what's happening. And at the same time, you're right, we're giving the student or the young college grad the ability to test the waters and have a mentor outside of the client sitting behind them while the client gets to train them, but at the same time doesn't have the time and bandwidth to do the training, all Mm. the training that's needed and teach them the business and as well be their mentor. So it's really a a win-win for both sides. And we've just found a great ability to feel like it's our kind of duty at this point in our, our careers to help kind of bridge that gap and, and leave everybody hopefully uh, better off in the end. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great tactic to take with regard to getting those new in the industry, that kind of experience. I mean, I know uh, I've had some of my larger clients actually, when I've come in to do such things as vendor security assessments or um, maybe HIPAA risk assessments, they would say, hey, can you have our intern or can you have our new hire, you know, shadow you while you're here and then they can learn how to do what you're doing. And I think uh, you're taking that and making it a much more structured process and probably have some good uh, feedback and evaluation uh, to provide to them as well, based upon what you're, how you're describing it anyway. Absolutely. So, you know, we're coming up on our first break. So um, I want to start here when we come back. So thank you, Cindy, so far. But now for our listeners, it's time for a, cr- a quick break to hear from our valued sponsors that I do appreciate so much. We're speaking today with Cindy Rockwell about IT, information security, and privacy careers. I'm your host, Rebecca Harrell, the Privacy Professor. You can contact me with questions and comments about this show, as well as show topic suggestions using my email, RebeccaHarold at RebeccaHarold.com. And also go to my website, Simbus360.com, PrivacyProfessor.org, and PrivacyGuidance.com. Please stay with us. We'll be right back after these important messages from my sponsors. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Privacy Professor is your trusted source for effective information security, privacy, and compliance advice, compliance tools, education, consulting, expert witness services, and board positions. Visit us online at privacyprofessor.org. Rebecca Harold and Associates offers information security products, privacy, and compliance tools, education, and consulting. Rebecca also provides keynote speeches and her free Privacy Professor monthly tips messages. She has published since 2007. Visit privacyprofessor.org for help and answers to your questions. Have you heard about Symbus360.com? The Symbus system includes information security, privacy, and compliance management, policies, procedures, and forms, third-party and vendor management, training and awareness, breach response and management, employee tasks and assets management, and risk management automation. Symbus also offers Alien Vault Unified IT Security Management at reduced pricing and also cyber liability insurance with limits up to $25 million. You need to find out more about the Symbus system. Visit Symbus360.com. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. If you have a question or comment about the program, feel free to send an email to Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. That's Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Now, back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Welcome back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor on Voice America's Business Channel. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold. Today, we're speaking with Cindy Rockwell about IT information security and privacy careers. So, Cindy, you know, one question I get from a lot of folks, especially those who are thinking about going into the IT or security or privacy area or uh, just graduating they say, well, what type of compensation am I going to get? You know, how much am I going to get paid? What's my salary? What's the benefits? <laughs> and I'm sure you hear that probably first thing when you start talking with uh, your candidates. So can you provide some insight into those uh, particular types of topics? Absolutely. So what we tend to find is that obviously there's a range and the range that we're tending to see. And again, I'm going to speak probably from the markets that I talked to you about. So we're seeing salary ranges for information security. um, And we'll go clear from reporting to true, you know, computer science sorts of um, careers anywhere on average from about $50,000 to about 75 starting out. So it's a pretty wide range, honestly, Mm -hmm. today that we're seeing. And I think it's it it will, I think, tend to like most careers start to even out a little bit. But today there's a wide range. And I think it's still the fact that a lot of clients and um, true, you know, buyers today don't really know how to bucket these jobs. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, where the pays at. And obviously, you know, just like if you look at economics, so there's not enough for what we're trying to get today. So obviously, you're, you're tending, if you find someone with that skill set, you're tending to pay a little more so that your neighbor down the road doesn't basically take them off your hands and entice them Mm -hmm. with a little more money after a year or two of experience. And that's so we're seeing a lot of that in the industry today. Oh, my gosh. We've seen that here in Des Moines for many years, haven't we? I mean, (laughs) starting at Principal Financial Group, and I, I worked there for 12 years, and I know there's so many people throughout the city today who are at many other companies that started there. So uh, definitely that's something that's very common throughout not only the U.S., but also throughout the world, I believe. But, you know, you're talking about those salaries. So are you talking about programming types of positions or let our listeners, because when we talk about information security and privacy and IT, there's such a very wide range of 
types of jobs out there and skills. So what kind of jobs and positions are those, are, are you uh, basically looking at? Is it purely programming or, or is it other types of, of roles within those domains as well? Yeah, so primarily it's been interesting. Most recently, we keep hearing a, a job called information analyst. And mm-hmm. I just actually came back from Dallas, Texas last night, and I had multiple clients that were talking to me, and, and then today actually about information analyst as a job role. Mm-hmm. And really what that role is, what if you look at the heart of what they're trying to say is, I need somebody that can monitor my hardware, software networks and ensure that we're staying on top of updates. Um, Do we look like we have a fault somewhere or could have a breach somewhere? So somebody to do, I would say, under the CISOs to really do the legwork pieces. So in those job categories, from a salary perspective, we're hiring, you can hire, you know, developers to do that role if they have an interest because they may have a bent toward really kind of that, that piece of technology side. So in those roles, we're probably seeing 65 to $75,000 depending on location in more of a, more of a traditional, just, um, analyst and let me kind of look at data and let me, uh, be really kind of the the fraud monitor sort of person, or mm-hmm. I'm going to look at data and see if there's really some anomalies in data. A lot of, um, I would tell you, the graduates coming out with data analytics in any sense of that word mm-hmm. um, with SPSS or R or um, even visualization tools today could be good candidates for those sorts of roles. And in those roles, we're seeing really the salary range anywhere from about the 50 mark to about the 65 mark. That's really great. I mean, for for starting right out of college, that's amazing. So um, with regard then to security and privacy, now this is an area, of course, that, that's what my businesses are in. So I'm always, you know, beating the drum on, come on, engineers, and come on, systems analysts. you got to build security and privacy controls into your systems. You get, need to architect them in. But the problem is, so many times, uh, the folks that come out of college, they might have had one class, maybe two, in security, usually none on privacy, but they don't really realize that it goes beyond just passwords and um, encryption. So are you seeing more um, openings and having more of your uh, business clients looking for folks who have more capabilities around security and privacy with it, building that within the systems and networks? I would tell you that the answer would be yes and no. And I think some of it, my yes answer is the fact that they all know that, you know, breaches are happening everywhere. I was meeting Mm -hmm. with a mid-sized client two weeks ago here in Des Moines, and they're a travel type of client. I mean, so very mid-sized, but they have some, you know, uh, worldwide, um, clients, but they Mm -hmm. said that just in what they've had, they had six potential hacks on their system in the past week. And holy cow. 
it was amazing to me to sit and listen to that because mm-hmm. I would tell you they're like, it's not a well-known name, right? So the mm-hmm. fact that um, it's so kind of irrelevant, but relevant, right? So from that perspective, I think you need to look at it and go, it's happening everywhere and you mm-hmm. need to be monitoring it. From the not so much side, what I would tell you, Rebecca, is that we tend to find that people aren't, if it isn't, it's amazing, if it isn't focused on like the info analyst role or something, if it's not focused on a role, they don't talk to us about security, which kind of amazes me coming from really mine and your backgrounds, right, Mm -hmm. of going, we were brought up to care about how, what's the logins and how secure is your data and do you have data redundancy and how is like what's what's your access points to that data so it's fun because we've really taken some of our training that we give and we call it the boot camp when they come um, start out with us we've added in training into that program to talk about security And just so everybody starts thinking about it, I don't care if you're going to go be a developer with us, an information analyst with us, even a business analyst or a project person, everything touches security these days. And you have to understand that the underlying pieces, it's your responsibility to keep data safe of your clients. So Mm -hmm. how do you, what are the different tactics, the different ways you need to think about that, how you ask the right questions of the experts in your organization that have the responsibility to keep that data safe. Well, and I would say too, I, I love to hear that you're, you know, emphasizing that with them. Um, that's something that my youngest son is 18. He went, uh, or he's at Iowa State right now. And I'm always trying to convince him, he's in engineering, but um, I, I'm trying to convince him to have like a cybersecurity minor or something because I, I'm telling him if, if he can go to an employer and not only demonstrate his capabilities for his primary area, but also then be able to talk knowledgeably about cybersecurity and privacy issues, that that would probably give him one up on the other candidates that may not understand those things. Now, am I telling him some good advice or do you see that that might help um, your your folks who are looking to get jobs and to get hired? Is that something that uh, you think would help them if they're able to demonstrate that knowledge when they're trying to get employed? Absolutely. I think that is wonderful advice from a mother, from a, you know, advocate in security. Mm-hmm. What they need to understand is very much the the degree of difference. So that's why Crew 212. So for us, we always tell, and I coach many of even our senior consultants, um, uh, kids that are going to college, they'll say, can you please talk to my child? And You know, it's fun because for me, it's you need to really be able to distinguish yourself as a a difference. So from that perspective, your advice is wonderful, Rebecca. I think any anyone should do that sort of thing to just, again, differentiate themselves. 
Oh, well, that's great. Well, And thank you for that. Of course, my sons, I've been including them in my work since they were both five and seven. So <laughs> they, they kind of got drug along when I was doing war driving and so on. So um, speaking of really young people getting to know about the security and privacy and IT biz, you have an event coming up, the Trailblazers event in Des Moines, and that's on April 23rd, I believe. Can you tell us some more about that event? Yeah, we are excited to be hosting an event called Trailblazers, and we've hosted it multiple times in the Minneapolis market. And this is our first time, and we've got Principal Financial Group that is uh, willing and able to co-host with us, so we're really excited about that. And the event is really geared toward helping young women understand how can they look at um, options, right, from the STEM career standpoint of going into things like security, um, information technology, being a developer, uh, to how how can I even come out with, we have one of our panelists that graduated with a marketing degree and she's doing database security work these days. Um, And then to kind of couple that in with really more the biology and data analytics side. Um, So we're excited about the event. It's really helping, we kind of target marketed to juniors and seniors in high school and freshmen and sophomores in college and their parents or guardians. And the event basically having a series of panelists and the panelists are really young women that have graduated with degrees in those particular areas or maybe not, but have been in um, STEM related jobs over the past five plus years of, of their career so far. So it's really younger women kind of inspiring um, the next generation um, of women. So, yes, it's it's our way to kind of go, how do we continue to increase the number of women in technology and really kind of look at it differently by going, the degree sometimes doesn't matter because at the end of the day, so many of the millennials and Gen Zs are growing up with technology Mm-hmm. That going in, they don't even realize the fact that things that they do can translate very quickly into things like an information analyst or a data security person, um, all the aspects of the digital world. You know, it sounds like a great event, and you said this is the first time you've held it. So this is at Principal Financial Group. Can you tell us? A little bit more information for those who might not be familiar with the whole campus that's, you know, downtown and also uh, in other parts of the town. Maybe where it's located, the times, is it going to be an all-day event, an all-evening event? The event for Trailblazers will be held at Principal Financial Group at located downtown Des Moines at 711 High Street. And they it will be an evening event, so from 6 to 8 and parking will be available on the street, in the principal ramps, or in any of the public ramps down there available. So it's really going to be conducive. You can actually, you can um, register for the event um, at trailblazers.com, or you can actually um, 
feel free to just show up at the event that night. And Mm. the plan is the first hour will be a panel discussion, as we've talked about. And then we will release the panelists and really the students. And we will keep the parents in the room. And the second half for about the next 30 minutes will be focused on a panel of parents having raised technology uh, related and STEM related um, children and have the parents talk about the support system, how to kind of deal in situations of promoting their young women to go into these degrees. So we look forward to anyone that can attend and our hope is that We'll continue to host it in our major two markets and then actually looking at, to bring it to other locations um, as we, we can. Oh, that's great. Well, you, you mentioned that they don't have to sign up. They could just show up, although I anticipate you'd probably like to, if they could sign up, maybe sign up ahead of time just so you know how many to expect. Um, and then Ab- I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah. Nope, absolutely. Um, They can feel free to kind of check it out from any of, you know, my LinkedIn. I've got a link out there or you can um, go to Eventbrite and look up Trailblazers and you can find us. Great. And how about cost? Because we didn't mention any cost, but I anticipate it's probably just open, no cost to attend. Absolutely. No cost to attend. And how about uh, recordings? Are you going to record any of the events or the entire event or live stream it? We have talked about uh, doing both. What we've settled on is we're going to actually record so that we don't kind of confuse the the live streaming to begin with, at least in our first event here in Des Moines. So anyway, we're happy to share snippets or anything that might come out of that. Hopefully it'll be successful. Oh, you know, that will be very um, interest, something that will be of interest to many of my uh, listeners because I've gotten questions from folks in Europe and also I have some folks in South America who have have contacted me asking about careers. So I think um, it would be very helpful for them to hear as well because I'm sure that even though you're talking about primarily Midwest and and Southern U.S. uh, locations, I think that what you'll be talking about really applies to anyone worldwide who wants to get a job, right? It's not going to be focused on any geographic location. Absolutely not. We are not focused on any geographic location. We hope to just help as many people as we can think about uh, careers um, in the fields that, that you and I come from. Great, great. So thinking about uh, these types of careers, um, how about, too, what other groups or activities are you involved with that may not be strictly IT or security related, but that perhaps you found have supported or enhanced or uh, helped you to do better in your career and in what ways? I know a lot of people do extracurricular things that have nothing to do with their careers, but yet they still help their careers. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll talk in twofold. How about that? One from sure. just a career perspective and one from a nonprofit perspective, I think, because both can give you a little bit of how do you 
really continue to grow in your career. So obviously there are the normal things that, that most of us see, right. Of, um, just IIBA is a great, you know, group out there. PMI is a great group out there. Um, I love that there's, uh, the concept of meetups, um, Mm-hmm. all over the country. And um, we were just talking actually a couple of days ago about just one meetup on data analytics. So I think any time that you can go learn about something that is, again, really kind of within that technology umbrella that's so big today, mm-hmm. um, it's a positive, right? Learning about different roles, learning about different types of technologies, Um The other piece that I am personally involved with today is with the Iowa Department of Education. And uh, we have been reestablishing the curriculum for computer science in the high schools Mm. across Mm -hmm. our public school system. And so I think that in and of itself is a way that you can look at how do I promote computer science and STEM sort of careers starting at a younger age, very much, you know, same way Technology Association of Iowa, many other kind of groups like that in many of the other states in the U.S. So anything like that, I think, helps uh, promote the, the need that we have and the growing number of great, really, jobs that we have in, in especially this country and many across the world. The other piece for me personally is I have always um, said you have to find something that you're passionate about and your passion Mm -hmm. can change. And for me, I I think my passion most recently has been um, American Heart Association and, and women. And it's funny because I actually chaired that for, um, the Des Moines um, Go Red for Women event last year, and we raised a quarter of a million dollars. Wow, good for you. One of the things that really was fun in working with that group, Mm -hmm. I didn't go into it thinking about STEM or or anything based on my job and, and what I hire for, but what happened was we started brainstorming about things that were going on in the state of Illinois and how do you basically connect American Heart Association with really awareness at a younger age through events like a code jam or, Hmm. uh, and hosting and being part of that. So I think things that you can blend things that are really kind of that nonprofit side with your passion. It's Mm -hmm. really fun to get into how do you make cool things like that happen? Well, it's fun and also so helpful to so many others, and I think it gives you a sense of fulfillment, too, that you just didn't realize that you could have. I mean, to kind of follow along, one of the things that I've done uh, a couple of years, and I haven't had time to do so in the past year or two, but I volunteered at the homeless shelter downtown here uh, in Des Moines, and I would go in each week and help them to learn about uh, how to do coding. Just, you know, simple coding for like uh, building websites is what we started with. And of course, I was talking about not only building the website, but how to also put in the security controls. And just meeting the people there 
and seeing, um, you know, anybody can end up homeless. A lot of the folks there were not homeless by anything that they had, you know, wanted to be. It just was a matter of how circumstances ended up. And I met a lot of uh, military veterans who were there and trying to get back on their feet again. And yeah, so I wholeheartedly agree with you that, that doing these other things, and I've had people ask me, and you probably have as well, they're like, well, if you don't get paid for those types of activities, why do you do them? And it's like, well, you volunteer for more than than just the pay, you know, you get so much more out of it. So I anticipate, like you said, it's a part of your passion, and it, it really does enhance your life um, quality in many ways. Yes, it does. So, well, that's awesome. Now, we're coming down here to uh, just a, a couple of minutes left. So what I want to do is ask you one last question. What one or two pieces of advice would you give to those who want to get into maybe an IT career in general or an information security and privacy career in particular? I would tell anyone that wants to get into IT and, you know, information security, much like we've talked about over the, the, the course of this interview, which has been great. I would just say that this generation has grown up with technology. So anyone that thinks that they can't code or they can't understand technology, I I would challenge you to say, pick up that little device that you hold in your hand probably 10 hours a day. Hmm. And that little device that we all hold called that telephone, right? That phone mm-hmm. today is has more ability in technology than 30 years ago when I, I'll, I'll come back to when I made that phone ring from a computer and I got so excited about it. <laughs> so what I would say, my piece of advice is never think that you can't do it because you're already doing it and you probably don't even know you're doing it, right? So think about it a little bit more broadly. The other piece that I always like to leave people is, especially in computer science careers, application development, information security, database analysts, all are great careers. And we all have great, you know, four-year colleges that we could say are, are, are wonderful. It doesn't take a four-year college degree to be in IT today. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. It takes a passion. It takes um, learning. It takes getting involved in some of the extracurriculars that we've talked about. But even two-year colleges are turning out wonderful, wonderful people that have the aptitude to be technologists for our future. So look at things a little bit differently. If you can't afford a a university, think about a two-year college. Think about, you know, during high school, getting some of those taking some of those courses for free, right? A lot of times you can do that for free. So that would be my great advice that I I want people to think a little bit differently about technology and and ways to pay for that education today. That is great. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because so many people think, you you know, that you have to have four to six years of college. Uh, Follow your passion. So thank you, Cindy, so much for being on the show today. Um, 
you've really provided some great advice, and I encourage as many of our listeners, not only here in Iowa and the U.S., but also worldwide, to check out your your Trailblazers event, which they can find, as you mentioned earlier. And then also, I want to mention, it's also on your Facebook page, I noticed. So look for the Kiat Facebook page, and you'll also see it described there. Today, we've been speaking with Cindy Rockwell. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the Privacy Professor. Please tune in to the show each week. If you cannot make our scheduled live time, you'll be able to listen to the recordings. You can find the recordings of all my past shows on iTunes, Mobile Play, Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and Player FM, in addition to the VoiceAmerica.com business channel website. Also, contact me for information, security, privacy, and compliance keynotes. Perhaps I'll see some of you in September when I'm in Manila, Philippines. I'm going to be giving a keynote there. Also, please check out my Simbus360.com website. You can contact me with questions, comments, and provide me with your show topic ideas using Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Until our next show, ask those you do business with and work for if they are doing all they can to secure the information that's been entrusted to them. Please be privacy aware in the week ahead. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in this week. Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week, stay safe.